Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Good morning, church. My name is Pastor Carl. And that is my wife. (laughs) Love you. And hello to my men's ministry group too. Boys, right on. All right. Good morning, church. My name is Pastor Carl, and I am the lead pastor of our Fort McKinley campus of Ginghamsburg Church. Amen? Amen. As always, it is a pleasure and an honor to be with you here today. Um, I always love coming out here, and today is no different. Although I have to say it's been a tough week. Uh, Many of us have felt that. I think Fitz alluded to that earlier on. It's been a tough week. Um, But before we even begin, let me just say one thing. This message is going to sound like I wrote it two or three days ago. I just want you to know that I didn't. I didn't. It's just that God knows what God is doing, right? God is all-knowing, God is all-seeing, and this message is a mere reflection of that, all right? So I'm just going to preach it, if that's okay, if that's okay. So let me see if you guys can relate to this scenario. Everything is going seemingly well, the family's good, the job is good, the day couldn't get any better, so why do you feel unsettled? asking yourself, is there more to life than my today? When is it time to move on? Lord, have mercy. When is it time to move on? When is it time to move over? When is it time to pass the baton? Remember, I didn't write this two days ago. It could be that you're the CEO of a company. It could be that you're the house that always hosts family Christmas. It could even be if you're the leader of a ministry. Have you ever wondered to yourself, when is it time to let go? I must tell you right up front, I never thought that I would be preaching this today. In fact, I wrote this sermon almost three weeks before even knowing about Pastor Rachel's transition, but God knew though, and I'm certain today that that's where this message came from. So I'm just gonna preach it. As we work through our legacy series, we are asking questions. Questions for living a life that matters, such as, what am I doing here? They're questions that come up when we're attempting to figure out what we wanna do with our lives. These questions about purpose, these questions about meaning, these questions about life, they quickly surface in times of of, of transition when we're moving from one life stage to the next. So today, let's keep learning a thing or two from the Old Testament prophets Elijah and Elisha. These are two men who wanted to make their lives count. So getting up to speed, week one, 
we asked, what is, my, what is my purpose? And how might I boldly explore it while moving forward in an uncertain future? Then we found some encouragement on what to do when we feel depressed, not if we feel depressed, when we feel depressed. When life is overwhelming, how do we find God's provision so that we might rest and abide with God? And last week, we focused on how can I hear God's voice in the thick of life with busy and with difficult and with very human schedules? Well, I invite you to join me today as we consider a great question, especially in times of transition, when is it time to let go? I wrote this weeks ago, but it is so applicable to today. When is it time to let go? If you're able, turn in your Bibles or your Bible apps to 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21. And let us meet Elijah and Elisha. Elijah came first and was the first of the great prophets, welcoming greater miracles than any other prophet before him, setting the standard for Old Testament prophets. But then comes along the younger Elisha, who was bold enough and faithful enough to ask God for a double portion of Elijah's anointing. After God said yes to that request, Elisha actually performed more recorded miracles than Elijah or anyone else in the Bible except one guy, who was Jesus. Elisha lived during the ninth century BC in a time when Israel was divided into the northern and southern kingdom and many people were worshiping the false god Baal, making it a very troubled time in Israel's history. What's interesting about Elisha is his very ordinary background. He wasn't the son of a priest. He wasn't a great warrior like Samson or Gideon. He wasn't known as a great leader. He didn't live in Jerusalem with all the kings and there was nothing that was necessarily special about him. And when we first see him, he wasn't known as a spiritual giant. He was an ordinary guy, comfortably living at home with his parents, working on a farm. And then God called him to do something incredible, to let it all go to let it all go. Let's look at this story. This starts in verse 19 of chapter 19. And it reads, so Elijah, Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha, then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat 
and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. May God add a blessing to the readers, the hearers, and the doers of his word. Amen? So, Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. He was doing the same job he had been doing for a long time, working on his parents' farm, driving the oxen for years, for years. Just think about that. Plowing behind a yoke of oxen every single day, plowing and plodding behind them in the hot sun. What do you think your scenery is for hours and hours every day, day in and day out? I bet that scenery had to get really old. And the point is this, maybe some of you feel a little bit like Elisha. Maybe you aren't experiencing quite the same thing Elisha was, but you're doing the same thing day in and day out. And although you're good at it, and it keeps you with the ability to take care of your needs and even some of your wants, the truth is, it's starting to get really monotonous. You're going to the same job, working with the same people, staring at the same things. And it's easy, my friends, to lose your passion for life when all you see is what's right in front of you. And that's right where Elisha was. I wonder if he ever asked himself, is this all there is? I wonder if he asked, does God have a next for me, a different purpose? I wonder if he'd heard of Elijah and had a growing inner desire to serve God in the way that the, the prophet had been serving. I do want us to notice though, church, even though he may have questioned and even though he may have felt the monotony, he was being faithful to the task at hand. He was working with what God put in his hands for his family. And we can see his faithfulness and we can see his discernment because church, there are many times when God is telling us to stay put. Discernment is key in those situations and it's key here in this story. It shows that we need to listen for God's move of the spirit during times of transition. Because sometimes, when it is time to let go, the enemy will send a distraction. We're just gonna call it out today. I believe God wants to reward those who are faithful in what they have. For when you are faithful with your present, God can trust you with your next. And in the middle of Elisha's daily routine, on an ordinary day, when he wasn't expecting anything, God said something new. God sent something new. He sent an answer to his prayers, something that would take him from where he was into an incredible place of impact, something that would make it absolutely clear that it was time to go. Elisha is out in the field plowing, 
staring at what he sees every day, and Elijah comes along. Verse 19 says this, Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. This would have basically been Elijah's coat. It was made of animal skins and it was literally his covering. Elijah took his covering and put it on Elisha, symbolically saying, that which covered me will now cover you. The mantle that was on me will now be the mantle on you. That which I was under, now you will be under. You will be my student and I will be your mentor. And as God has been working through me, now God is going to work through you. He put on the mantle. Now as we watch this ordinary man respond to this extraordinary call, let's pay attention to Elisha's response. Please notice that when Elisha comes to Elijah, Elisha and throws his cloak over him, he does not give any details. He doesn't know why or where or when or how. The only thing he knows is that Elijah wants him to follow. And this is important to know, church, because when God calls you to do something, you do not have to understand all the details in order to obey immediately. Somebody say amen. amen. You do not need to understand fully to obey immediately. What does Elisha do when Elijah puts the cloak around him? He is all in. He left his oxen and ran after Elijah saying simply, let me go kiss my father and mother and then I will come with you. He knew that it was time to let go. He didn't have to pray about it. He didn't have to think about it for a few months. He didn't make a list of pros and cons and here's the reasons why I should and here's the reasons why I shouldn't. He didn't have to consult with his counselor. He didn't have to ask his friends what he should do. No, based on the prayers that he's prayed, based on the dreams that he's already dreamed, based on the faith he's already living, he knows it's time to let go. He is saying, God, I believe you are speaking to me here. And this is what we call discernment, church. This is what we call discernment. We have to discern in these times of transition. We learned last week that in order to discern God's voice, we need to change our pace of life. There might be some things in our lives that we need to rearrange. There might be some things in our lives that we may need to move. There may be some things in our lives that we have to remove in order to discern God's voice. We need to change our pace. We also need to find a place where it's conducive to hear from God, where you can turn down the noise of life because we hear God's spirit in a whisper. And sometimes you need a place where you can hear the whisper of God. Your place is probably different than mine, but I have one and we all need to get one. Your pace your place, and then lastly, we need to, in order to hear God's Spirit, we need to have the proper posture in our hearts, filled with reverence, filled with humility. 
Elisha was saying, I don't know the details, but since I believe you're behind it, I will obey immediately. When it's time to let go, church, we don't have to understand fully in order to immediately obey somebody say amen. Previous to joining this Ginghamsburg movement, I worked for Sinclair College for about 20 years. I was making good money. I knew my job like the back of my hand, and everything seemed to be just fine. Then God, I could stop right there. I could stop right there. You already know where this is going, right? Everything seemed to be just fine. Then God started nudging me about doing more for God and God's kingdom on earth. This was strange to me because I saw myself as being faithful to the position that God placed me in. I had plenty of success stories with my students. I poured into my coworkers in such a way that they could do the job without me even being present. What else could God want from me? I'm using, I'm motivating, I'm mobilizing all that God has placed in my hands. But the compulsion of God got so strong that I knew I had to talk to my wife about it. At the same time, God led me to an opportunity to do full-time ministry at Fort McKinley Church. And that right there was my Elisha moment. I just knew it was time to let go of my past work at Sinclair. Now, let me be clear, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I didn't. But I will say this, I just wanted to respond to God's call of letting go of my comfort. I wanted to respond to God's call of letting go of my position. I wanted to respond to God's call to even let go of some of my friends. So without understanding, amen, so without understanding my path fully, I committed immediately to God's call. Not because I was comparing myself to someone else, and not because I just felt like I needed to change. I have always known that God has had a calling on my life, and if the truth be told, I was sick and tired of running from God, I was sick and tired of making excuses to God, I was sick and tired of looking for a compromise and a bargain from God. I just knew God was in charge of it, and I said yes right away. Little did I know, but about a year after that, I would be named as the lead pastor of our Fort McKinley campus. Now it feels like I'm doing some of the most important work I have ever done for God, other than being a husband to that lady over there. Not only did I say yes without knowing all the details, but I also made no room to fall back on a plan B. You have to know and you have to discern when it is time to let go and let God have your journey. When it is time to let go and let God have your purpose. When it is time to let go and let God have your future. You have to know it and you have to discern it. Now, to give you a little balance, on a side note, it is possible that God uses what I call intentional vagueness when we want the details. All right, you guys following me? 
We want God to tell us exactly how things are going to work out and when and where and why. We say things like, I want all the details before I commit, God. I need to know. I just can't jump in. I'm from Youngstown. We don't do that. God does not always give us the details we ask for. God can be intentionally vague. And I think God looks at us sometimes and says, Carl, you can't handle the details. Carl, if I showed you everything, you would either be overwhelmed, Carl, you wouldn't show up, Carl, or you try to get the end result and get the credit by yourself, Carl. You all can substitute your name into all of that too. <laughs> so it's really good news when I say, we don't have to fully understand in order to obey immediately, amen? There's a second key lesson in this story of letting go. It would seem that those God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. I'm gonna say that again. Those that God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. Watch what, Elisha does. Watch what Elisha does in verse 21. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. These were the animals that provided his livelihood. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. So, God speaks to Elisha and he immediately kills the cow and burns the plow. Now we can understand the killing of the cow a bit because whenever God did something significant, people would offer a sacrifice. Like in the story of the prodigal son, the son came back home, the father killed the fatted calf and they had a party. So we can understand the cow, but burning the plow, burning the plow. The plow is valuable and the farmer's most important piece of equipment. Surely you don't burn down the plow, especially since Elisha, Elisha could have found a tree to chop down and burn. So what was Elisha thinking? Why burn the precious plow? Could it be that Elisha was burning plan B? Could that be what he was thinking? That there is no more plan B, there is only plan A, which is to obey God and let go. For Elisha, there is no turning back. For Elisha, there is no wavering. For Elisha, there is no second thoughts. For Elisha, there's just commitment. You see, those women and men God uses the most are the ones that hold on to the least. How many of us have been called by God to do something? And we've said, yeah, I'm gonna go for it and follow God. But I think I'll keep the plows and the cows just in case. Now let me say, make sure, make sure it is God speaking to you. You just don't go in and say, I'm sick of my job, I don't like any of you knuckleheads around here and I'm out of here. 
That is not plow-burning faith, and that is not discernment. I'm talking about when you know that God is calling you to do something, and you know that God wants you to go. Frankly, there are just some times when you are so convinced that you just burn that plow because you're not turning back. Something has happened in you and you're never going to be the same. You cannot go back because you sense God is calling you forward. Now, I don't know where you are in your journey today, but I do know that all of us have a habit of holding on to extra bits of baggage that hold us back from experiencing the next step in our journey. And it could be something that's not even inherently bad a great job that pays well, a house that you've grown to love, a lifestyle that is comfortable. But just like Elisha, you've prayed the prayers, you've dreamed the dreams, you've felt the faith, and now it is time to let go. I don't know what that is in your life, but God may be bringing that something to your mind right now and saying, Young man, young woman, you need to burn that plow. Maybe it's something that's keeping you from serving God and you need to burn that plow. Maybe there's a sin holding you back. Well, you need to burn that plow. Maybe it's a fear that you're feeling. Burn that plow. If it's unforgiveness, friends, don't wait. Burn that plow. Somebody spoke a limitation prophecy over you, you, over you and you're still struggling with it. It's still bothering you. It's still holding you down. You know what you ought to do, church? Burn that plow. Because you have to know when it's time to go. Friends, don't you dare let anything keep you from following God. Don't you dare miss out on that next step. Don't you dare miss out on that next season of health. Don't you dare miss this new beginning that God may be having you on. Just understand this, you don't have to understand fully in order to obey immediately. And remember, those that God uses the most are the ones that hold on to the least. There's a New Testament scripture that's a, promise to us today. That's a promise to us today. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. And it reads, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Can I get an amen? Church, know this, God loves you, I love you, and there's not a single thing you can do about it. <laughs> Let us go and be the church. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app. 
or online at ginghamsburg.org.